Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Mike Force Podcast. It is your host, Mike G. Today on the podcast, Tony Blauer, the expert in all thing neuro, tactical, combatives, one of my mentors that I paid attention to in special operations through my entire career, and then post-military. Uh, I've collaborated with him, uh, done training courses he just taught at, at my place over this last weekend. Uh, it's really cool to have Tony on the podcast because I respect him. Uh, he's somebody who everybody should pay attention to, especially when understanding and, and knowing fear. That's K-N-O-W, fear. So, guys, before we get to Tony Blower's podcast, let's talk about our sponsors. We've got a new sponsor called Mountain Tough. That's M-T-N, Mike Tango November Tough. Mountain Tough is a functional fitness program designed by veteran Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, giving you the best prescribed workout to get in the best shape of your life physically and mentally, all brought to you by your phone. The reason I think it's important to do these kind of workouts is because you have to follow a program or a process. Don't just trust that you can go to the gym, work on chest and tries, back and buys. What I love about Mountain Tough is they have programs that are available to you to accomplish the mission that matters the most. My favorite part of Mountain Tough is their focus on mental toughness as well. Everything they do is grounded in one purpose, and that's life transformation. So some of the engagements that you're going to be able to tap into are mental toughness, building muscle, improving endurance, um, and then being that it's on your mobile device, you have the convenience of doing that on the go. 10,000 like-minded athletes are going to hold you accountable. Thousands of hours of testing on dedicated mountain hunters, first responders, and military personnel, and programs for everybody. That's beginner, intermediate, and elite. So right now, Mike Force is offering 20% off all their online training programs and apparel with the code Mike Force. If you go to mountaintough.com, that's M-T-N, Mike Tango November Tough, T-O-U-G-H for you knuckle draggers, .com, and use Mike Force, you can save 20% off all online training programs and apparel at mountaintough.com. This podcast is also sponsored by Athletic Greens. Alpha Golf One. Alpha Golf One. Look, bioavailable multivitamin enhanced supplementation is difficult to find, especially ones that are meeting all the demands of your outdoor athletic experience. What I've noticed about my own habits is I can't get that much nutrition by eating the food, especially if you intermittent fast like me. You don't have an appetite in the first place. So what I do is I break my fast using Athletic Greens. Alpha G1 by Athletic Greens, the category is the superfood product. It brings comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition to everybody, keeping up with research, constantly changing, by the way, and adapting. And one tasty scoop of Alpha G1 contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. That's multivitamins, multimineral, including probiotics, green superfood blend, and one convenient daily serving that I use every noon to two when I'm breaking fast. On this, if you guys go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Force, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Force. If you use that link, which is inside our show notes, also on our YouTube channel, you guys can get one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. That's free one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs by visiting athleticgreens.com forward slash Mike Force. 
right, guys, Tony Blauer on the podcast. If you are listening to this podcast in audible form, it is the first available podcast on my personal YouTube channel. Uh, that's Mike Glover on YouTube. I'll leave the link for that video in the show notes below, but make sure you check that out because we actually videotaped this for the first time for the Mike Force podcast. Here we go. When's the, when's the first, what year did you do your first podcast? As a guest? As a, or the first memory of doing a podcast huh. as a guest or host or whatever. What, what was I, it? I honestly have no memory of that. It's really? like, it's a, I've done, this is going to sound obnoxious. I've done so many, Mike. Mm -hmm. I, I can't even remember. It's, it's like all the women. I can't remember my first. Yeah. There's I, like three of them. Right. <laughs> um, it was so long ago. I, I have no clue what my first was, but I've, I've done, I've literally done, we have a page, a media page, and there's hundreds of them. So I've been doing them for years. Really? Years and years. And then I have my own, uh, I had you on that. Uh, yeah. Um, what do you mean had? You don't do that anymore? No, I don't. Well, I just, I don't, I don't do it like you. There's no, I don't have sponsors. I don't have intro oh, yeah. music. So I do it like, I go, I want to talk to this guy. Yeah. It's really, uh, and I get people pitching me, hey, can we get on your podcast? And I'm like, I don't really do it. Like I haven't done, I haven't recorded, I recorded one about two weeks ago, really cool story. Um, and I had to have the guy on. He was a, there was a home invasion and he fought the guy off by whipping bottles in his face. Oh, wow. Like it was, I'll tell you about it after, but it was, uh, so I had to have him on. And uh, because it's, it, the, the No Fear podcast is about people just suddenly, that's why I wore the shirt today about just choosing courage. Fear is contagious, but, you know, how do you choose courage? But, um, so I still do the No Fear podcast, but I, like, I'll go six months without doing one or releasing one. Do you do that? Is that podcast on iTunes and Spotify, yeah, all yeah. the normal channels? Yeah, yeah. Man, you should do podcasts more often. I got that voice, right? You got, you got a good voice, um, but you also have, I mean, if you started from scratch, there's so much content there. Uh, I feel like, like I would want to be a sponsor of that podcast because it's, I mean, also selfishly, I think about historical references for things and I'm thinking, man, I want my kids someday to learn that. Mm -hmm. And when you die, not you specifically, but just anybody who has the kind of knowledge you have, a lot of times it's all lost with the, right. when you, when you pass away, unless you develop a real deliberate plan to, you know, allow that to live. And that's, that's why I love podcasts, because this podcast that we even do here, which will be audio and now video, will be historically referenced forever, mm -hmm. which is super cool. I mean, unless, like, it, you, unless it gets canceled. It, it could get canceled. Right, right. <laughs> it could. It could. <laughs> not, not that. I saw that Facebook uh, uh, post that you, the, uh, the, the one, do you know somebody who's uh, the extremist, like somebody who's too prepared? like i was like whoa i shared that one it's like it's like i just so i wasn't sure if that was real confirm with a person who screen captured it it was indeed real then confirmed through a media outlet that got the same report and they confirmed it was real and they were targeting a group of like old women mm. that were in a canning group on facebook and that's what popped up because if you're too prepared then 
they're correlating that with extremism. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. So, so, you know, it's, it's interesting because, uh, um, a lot of people think when your post gets flagged or you get some warning that it's some, uh, you know, nerdy gender fluid, purple haired, it's, it's the AI picking up words. I've, I've answered people back and then had like a, a message in my inbox, hate speech, you know, where I'm making a joke, you know, don't be an asshole. You know, nah, 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 nah. and all of a sudden, like the the comments deleted, and I get a warning. But it's not. A lot of us think, I can't believe they're like they've got these people like watch. It's just it's just their algorithms, and it's yeah. insane. They're out, they're yeah. they're out of control. They don't have enough resources and people to be able to do that. Even where our original account, we found out when it got deleted that the sourcing for that came from Ireland. Mm. And it got deleted through an automation. So it was automatically deleted. And then you had to go in and then actually talk to a person or, or use a manual process to get it rehabilitated right. or, or get it back. Right. And I think that's what a lot of things are doing, but it's kind of crazy. Like it's just a key word. It's, it's uh, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before we started the podcast. Um, it's exhausting, especially for someone like you. And, and, uh, you know, I said this before, I, 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 too, too many tangents here. I was on a podcast. It was really cool. What was the name of it? Oh man, the gun experiment. Mm. And, uh, one of the questions they threw right at the end, they said, you know, Armageddon shit, like everything's going to shit. Who do you call? And I said, Mike Glover. Oh yeah. Like, like it was like, and yeah. you know, I know quite a few people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. And, That's and, I'm, an honor, and, I'm, yeah, awesome. and I'm not saying that cause I'm here now. It was like, I'm really good at a few things, but I'm really not good at a lot more. Yeah. And so that's one of the things I love about your message is you're good at a lot of things that'll keep you and the people around you alive. Yeah. And so when this guy said, Hey, everything's going to shit, who are you going to call? Well, I got this friend. He's like, he's a really good sniper. And this guy's really good at medical. And this guy, I want someone who knows everything or could, or if we had to have the Armageddon tribe and we're going, okay, it's the walking dead. So who can, we need people who can teach everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, we have a good network here yeah. of experts. Right. Uh, somebody was talking to me about it recently and they it was referring to this whole canning thing. And uh, I was talking about reallocating kind of, your strengths versus your weaknesses. And I like doubling down on strengths because I don't have enough time to uberly focus on all the things that I'm passionate about that I'm pretty weak at. Mm. Doesn't mean I don't need to know a familiarization. It just means that I, I have a person who's the canning expert. I mean, right. Didi, my COO, cans and jars, like she does it right now. I mean, she's, she's, I'm she did it yesterday. Her. I'm reporting her right away. As yeah, soon as we yeah get up she this. will be an extremist. She's an extremist. <laughs> right. Um, you you just talked to me about some of the classes that you're doing and we had talked about like, you know, being burned out and just constantly going. You've been at this pace. I mean, I look into the future with you and go, man, I'm early on in this journey. I'm six, seven years. You've been doing this for decades. Mm -hmm. How do you maintain the resilience and the endurance to keep pushing, to keep training. You just trained um, in another state. You came here, you did two days of training at HQ. 
and you're about to go somewhere else to train. How right. do you do it? I, 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 it's weird. I told myself I was going to stop mentioning how old I was when I'm talking because I didn't know why I was doing it. Um, I think part of it is to remind myself that I've got this resilience and I don't know where it's from, to be honest. So I, I, I'll say, you know, I'm 61, hoping that everyone will go, wow, you don't look a day over 60 or 60 and a half or something, right? And, um, and I realized something this, and I think, I think you, why, why you are doing what you're doing, Mike, and, and, and um, why you've got that energy is because you're not passionate about this stuff. You're obsessed with it. Mm. And that yeah, was a distinction is, is I used to say for years, Oh, I'm so passionate. And then about a year and a half ago, I was talking to somebody and, and they said to me, man, you're fucking obsessed with this stuff. And at first I was like, cause it's got a negative connotation. Yeah. And then I thought about it. I go, no, like I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm taking a leak and I'm thinking about a drill or, I'm getting ready to fight an imaginary, what would I do here? What's my improvised weapon here? What would I, and it just, and it's not like paranoia. It's not, it's just things I think about all the time. Yeah. And uh, so I think that, you know, I was talking about this at, at the course this weekend about what, why we're approaching this drill and this, it was a concealed carry gunfighting type thing. And I, and I was explaining the neurobiology of fear and, and how neuroscience, and it's not taught really in, in most anything, uh, let alone combatives and defensive tactics, where, where the risk, if, if I screw up in a bowling tournament, I, I go, oh, my ball went in the gutter. If I screw up in a gunfight or a knife fight or being followed or like it could cost your life. And, um, and where I'm going with this is, is the, I was telling the group that, you know, you've got all these pro boxers that could light you and I up, just light us up. And then there's a Tyson Fury or a Mike Tyson or a, or, you know, a Holyfield, like people who really just dominated for a decade, mm -hmm. Sugar Ray Leonard. And then you've got all these like amazing hockey players. And then there's one Wayne Gretzky, all these amazing basketball players. And there's a Michael Jordan. And so what I've looked at over the years is what are these guys, what are they doing different than everyone else? <laughs> because they've got the same like DNA, like, you know, two arms, two legs, they can move, they got a brain. What are they doing? And, and that's really been this intuitive journey behind the scenes. Because when I advertise my course, it looks like, oh, you know, we do Krav Maga, we do, you know, kickboxing, it's the same thing. And people, but underneath it is I'm looking at what's, what's called metacognition. How do we think about how we think? Mm -hmm. Do we understand that? So back to your how do I stay going? I don't, you know, this morning I got up and I was so tired and, uh, and I, it, like one point I was going to text you and go, Hey man, let's, let's do this another time. Yeah. I'm like, bro, I got to take care of myself. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I just kept going through the morning, took a nap mid morning. <laughs> and, uh, but like when I teach this weekend and all of my, all of my main tier one guys, not tier one guys, my, my A team for my mobile training team, they had all just been coming back from course and stuff like this. And I said, I'm going to teach this one alone. Give the and, guys a break. And, and, and I, I won't do that again. It was exhausting for me. I was just like nonstop. You hear my voice, how raw it is. And, um, uh, but it was like, it, it was, and I'll tell you where my mindset is. One of the guys I was training for uh, an MMA fight years ago, he, he, we, we had won the title 
it's a Canadian MMA version of UFC, you know, not that scale, but, but yeah. all that. His name was Phil and he fought, he won the title and then he has a, 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 a challenge match and he loses it in a five round battle. And the guy who, who, who dethroned my fighter passed out in the ring and, um, um, and f- like threw up in the ring and then passed out. And one of my team, I wasn't at the fight. I couldn't be there. He goes, Hey, you know, Phil lost the fight, but the guy he beat, he had to be, he threw up and he had to be carried out on a stretcher. Mm. And I said, well, maybe if Phil had died in the ring, he'd still have the belt. Meaning like, that's the fight. Yeah. I'm not, and I'm not being cavalier or dramatic. I'm just saying like, like I show up 110% all the time. And, and it's that obsession. I don't have a, like I meditate every day if I can. I do breathing exercise every day. I try to, I'm, I'll look at what I'm about to put in my body. Okay. Like last night I had a, a really good, stupid dessert. It was like a little treat. I got a sweet tooth. But I, I stopped for a second. I said, okay, you haven't been working out, but you did teach all day. Okay, go for that. Like, mm. it, and, and I've been down a stupid rabbit hole here, but I'll pause, I'll reflect on, okay, should I get some more sleep here? Should I not work out? Should I work out? And, and, and that's something that's what I said to you outside when I asked you how old you were. And I can remember back 20 years ago, uh, the pace. Like I can remember one, seriously, I was seven weeks on the road without stopping, uh, which is a joke for a, a military guy, but this was like seven different cities in four different climate zones, uh, you know, traveling, living out of a suitcase, it's there you go deploy somewhere and I'm not saying it's, I'm not comparing it all, yeah. but you're like, you're there with your people, you know, where you're eating, you know, where you're going, you're in it, you yeah. know, and, and, uh, but people don't realize how hard it is on the road, right? You, you were just talking about, yeah. you know, taking off on your trip and not wanting to go, but how there's, there's times where when I made this connection that I'm obsessed, this is what I do. Uh, I, I remember sitting flying the wall. Uh, Greg Glassman's a good friend of mine. He's the guy that founded CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And I remember years ago when uh, all the controversy was hitting and people were trying to like buy the company and steal the company. It was a really horrible time uh, for him and as a friend. And I remember sitting there listening to him. He was doing an interview and um, he said something that always stuck with me. And I don't know if he meant it in this way, but I want to share it with you and your audience here. They said like, they asked the question, like, if you weren't like running CrossFit and designed this, you know, what do you think you'd be doing? And he paused and he looked, he goes, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. It'd be like, if there was like suddenly no field craft, like, what would you do as, as a survivor? Like, like that, that warrior mindset, you'd figure something out. Yeah. Right. But like, like your whole life led you to like the story you're telling about your mom Yeah. today. Uh, all, all of your, your, your training, all of your millet led you to create fieldcraft. Mm. There's so much authenticity in that. So I think what keeps you going is you're gonna be exhausted. You got a course, you want to go, you want to go through this, you want to go through this bullshit. You'll think about it. And can I talk about what you mentioned outside Hawaii? Yeah, 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 yeah. sure. Yeah. You know, where like, if there was no mandate bullshit and all that stuff, you'd probably like catch a cat nap and go, okay, let's go. Yeah. But that stuff is oppressive mm. to anybody who has fought for freedom. Mm. Right. And, and yeah. so that 
I think that's more exhausting on you in some ways. And me, I get, I get furious. Like, just like I get in a bad mood if I put a mask on on the plane. I do too. It, <laughs> it drives me mad. Insane. I never thought about that from that context, which is, I, I wonder, like when I put a mask on and I look at my flight itinerary and I got 11 hours, I immediately think I'm going to be suffoc partly suffocated for 11 hours and I hate it. And like even flying a couple hours to Texas, it, it because culturally, but ideologically in what we're communicating, all the things that we want people to be, which is free first and foremost, it, it, it it's true. It's it, that that is taxing. It's like the, the tax on your soul, which is a different kind of strain where you can get re-energized or energized period with small spurts of like your students are going, I get it. And that gives me energy where social media is a positive reflection of maybe good inputs and it gives me energy. Well, when you get out into the real world, especially where you go to Hawaii, you have to take a test within, I believe, the day prior to getting on a plane. Then you get on a plane and then you fly knowing you're not positive for COVID. And then you land and then the Hawaiian system takes over and then they give you another test. And then you're again negative thinking that you're going to go into Hawaii and go, well, I'm in a free place now because I've already been tested. And then they follow the same restrictions, if not more of wearing the mask, even on a beach. And I'm like, what, what is happening here? Right. If it wasn't for the good people of Hawaii that want to train with me um, because they're being insulated, compartmentalized. And I feel bad because I feel like when I go to train in Californians, they're in the same boat where the majority, I wouldn't say the majority, but a large percentage of the population wants freedom, wants liberty, and just wants to live in beautiful California and left alone. That's my, I feel like that's an obligation. And yeah, I feel that burden of guilt that pushes me past all of these things. And at the end of the day, I always say like, man, I'm not starving. I mean, getting shot at to me is fun. So it's not like that's a burden. It's more like, hey, I'm, I'm sleeping in a, in a bed. I'm eating good chow. I could take the cat nap and reset and be ready to go. I don't know if I'm 20 years more in this, but I imagine at some point in your life and career, you were assessing the same thing. I mean, I was, hell, 20 years ago, listening to your teachings as a special operations guy. And now here we are. It's crazy. Every time you tell me that, it blows my mind. Like I, I had no idea you, you knew who I was when we mm. first contacted. That was cool. Well, the whole, I, I, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know what the reflection would be or how to, how to phrase it, um, especially as it's romanticized in my head. But it's crazy because that whole, I think life is full, comes full circle a lot of times, especially when you pay attention to influencers and people who are making specific impact, especially in special operations, which there aren't many, by the way. I mean, I could name three. And those guys committed their lives to making men better in special operations. Rob Latham is one of them uh, who shoots for Springfield Armory. Um, uh, Greg Thompson is one of them who, who started a combatist program for special operations. And then you, I, I, can't, I can't even think of anybody else. But I mean, here we are 
20 years later and you're still in it. Like you, like you never left mm. and you're still going, which is, it's pretty impressive. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. Another thing with, with that is I don't think, you know, when a Facebook memory pops up or somebody, you know, like there, there were people at the, at the gig this weekend that flew in from all over this. I couldn't believe how far yeah. I just assume I come here and it's people from like Utah and surrounding yeah. States. There were 32 people in the class. There were, uh, I think six locals. Yeah. Every, everyone else flew in. Yeah. Most, like, by the way, don't even know who Phil Kraft or I am that, that find you. I noticed that, um, the largest percentage of people who don't know me, which I find is a good problem mm. to have, um, is coming from your network or your influence uh, and your education. They're going, oh, I'm coming here to take that. And they're like, what's Philcraft? Right. Which is, which is awesome. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Yeah. But, but it was funny. And, I, and so there were a lot of people who do little chit chat breaks. And yeah, I've been meaning to train with you for like years. I first heard about you 10 years ago. I've been following you. And it's, and it's, I don't, you know, the expression, the term, the look back, right? I think, yeah. I think it originated as a military yeah. thing, I think. Um, and uh, I remember my buddy, I don't know if you know JC Glick. No. Ranger, uh, he's, he's retired now. Uh, but I met him when I was training asymmetric warfare, mm -hmm. like 11 years ago. And, yeah. and uh, we became friends. And when, one day I was just like bitching about life and business and, he said, you should do a look back. And I'm like, what is that? And he explained it. And, and I, I did it probably not the way I should have, but I did it enough to go, holy shit, look at everything I've done from being 15 years old. And my mom said, you know, Hey, you're going to go into the family business. We had a clothing business that my father ran that his father ran, uh, or are you going to be, this is in the mid seventies. So you had, when you're, your mom asked you a question, you could be a vet, a doctor, an astronaut, a firefighter. It was like a very, like, right? You're gonna be a doctor, a lawyer, what are you gonna do in school? And I was sitting on the floor, trying to do the splits, looking at Bruce Lee magazines. And I said, oh, mom, I'm gonna be a, a famous martial artist like Bruce Lee. I can develop my own self-defense system. Like literally that's, I knew as soon as I started doing martial arts, that that's all I wanted to do was teach people, uh, it, you know, how to protect themselves. A lot of people don't know this about me. I don't know if I've ever told you this. Um, you know, my, the most passion I have is teaching my no fear program spelled K N O W. And I explain to people that, that you can't be brave if you're not afraid mm. that there is no courage. If there is no fear, if you've got somebody who, who like runs towards the gunfire, runs into a burning building and they're actually hoping to get shot or hoping to get burned alive that doesn't take any courage to do because that's just the death wish. Mm. And it's that reframe for people that, that didn't have a calling like you did or didn't go through the stress inoculation of the training. And I've spoken to, you know, lots of guys because there's, there's this vibe on Instagram of this no fear and no fear as opposed to there is fear. And what life is about is managing fear, mm. right? You got a problem. At a physiological level, you're supposed to, your nervous system's supposed to go, this sucks. You get a shitty email in business. You get whatever it is. Um, obviously the most extreme situation is when you or a loved one is really threatened physically. Uh, but there's fear every day. So the, the, I grew up afraid of fear because mm. nobody ever said, 
here's the positive in fear. Fear is like a, like an intuitive radar, right? So you're here on a ship and we're in the radar room and we see a blip and I'm like, Mike, did you see that? And you go, yeah. And we're trying to decide is, is that our aircraft? Is that a missile? Is that a UFO? And there's moments of you got to manage your fear there because you don't just hit a button or whatever, whatever the SOPs are. So it's a, it's a really deep nuance and you see it every day in fights in the news, cops, military, you can see people making, um, almost automaton reactions to stuff. And then they get burned by the politics of the day or the fact that in the moment, the law isn't forgiving. We're not discussing this. The SOP was, you're supposed to do this. Mm. And I kind of looked at violent confrontations for decades. Uh, and I realized that, that there's only a right answer post-mortem. Oh, I should have done this. Why'd you shoot him? Oh shit. I should have hit him. Mm. Why'd you hit him? You should have shot him. And, and, uh, My fascination with that is what led me to the neuroscience and neurobiology, because even the bravest and most courageous and people who've been in, in the shit, if a stimulus gets introduced too quickly, there's the, the executive function of the brain can get distracted as it's processing and recalibrating what it needs to do. So when, I, when I'm talking, especially tier one guys or SWAT guys or whatever, and I go, let's talk about fear. And they're like, you know, because type A's don't want to talk about fear. I make this joke all the time. Fear management needs new management. Hmm. I'm not talking about whether you're willing to die on the sword, die on this hill, you know, like sacrifice yourself for the cause. I'm talking about, do you understand the neuroscience connected to the neurobiology of sudden danger, which could be uh, a tweet from the president, right? And you go, are you kidding me? Hmm. But because that sudden stimulus creates doubt, doubt creates hesitation. Hesitation always creates procrastination. Mm. I'm doing this, this new lecture now called Violence Loves Speed. Mm. And it's really fascinating. But it's all about how do we improve our mind speed when we're always moving second? Because in an ambush, you always move second. Mm -hmm. So it's fascinating. But I tie this all back. Where am I going with this? Is my life, I've been consumed by fear. As a kid, I'd be up at bat going, don't strike out, don't strike out. But I was, I was the stud. I wasn't the water boy. I was picked. I was the captain. I'd go wrestle going, oh, man. I, I would hate every competition. And, 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 but I would train hard. It was I would never podium because my relationship with fear. I always had to fight the two opponents. And I love sharing this Dan Millman quote. Uh, he wrote The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. He said, if you face just one opponent and you doubt yourself, you're outnumbered. Mm. And, uh, and I think a lot of people go through life like that without that self-awareness that they could flip that switch change their relationship with fear and it totally changes stuff um and i don't know how i got on that with uh, how do you stay uh motivated and resilient but i think this is just my calling and i don't you know when i did that look back i i don't i don't remember turning 61. Mm. i don't remember 60 i don't remember 59. I do, of course. I have memories of it, but everything is like, okay, what am I doing today? Yeah. What's next? What's what's tomorrow? What's you know, and and that's a hard battle too because you go, you know, I get up out of bed today and I'm going, whoa, oh, oh, why am I so sore? And then I remembered one of the demos I did yesterday was with a guy that was 260 pounds, and 
he misunderstood the demo a little bit and it got a little hard, a little fast. And I'm like, you know, he's ex mill, 20 years mill. This guy, he was a monster. I was trying to show this other demo, uh, just about, uh, flexor versus extensor uh, strength. So I always pick the biggest guy in the class to do it. He misinterpreted, got a little, and I realized, oh, although it wasn't a real fight, I had a, a skirmish scrimmage with a much, much younger tactical athlete that went about 20 seconds. And that's how long a street fight lasts. Yeah. You know? And I just realized my body just went, uh, but it was, it was just funny where I go, well, when I was 40, I wouldn't have felt that. Yeah. When I was 30, I wouldn't have felt that. Well, I'm feeling it now. So it's right? scaring the hell out of me. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk to you about something because there's a common theme that I've noticed in my own training protocol. And um, last week I had a, a co-writer here doing this book and, you know, I have no reservations with advertising that I have a co-writer <laughs> for my book because I'm not a writer. I, I could talk and, and specifically uh, very creatively write out specific things in short form, but in long form, especially conveying all of the things that I want to convey in structure and organization and making sense of it. Um, I'm not an expert at, and the book writer that I got is an expert at that. But the whole book is on um, this idea of being prepared. And um, you're, of course, mentioned in the book. And one of the topics that I consistently come back to is that everything that I'm teaching these guys and gals is basically for them to recognize to, to be self-aware. And, and one of the examples I use that I was taught, which I don't think the people who taught me even realize it, was in freefall school. Mm. And freefall school, even in the wind tunnel, when you're prepping for the jump, which the military makes, I mean, they make everything painful, but you can go get qualified as a, I think it's class A in a day. The military stretches it out, makes it a whole protocol and doctrine, tests you, evaluates you, fails you if you don't meet the standard. But... It, where they're basically creating their own structure and part of their structure for reducing, well, let me put it this way. Cause this is my, that's my way of saying it, but this is their way of saying it. When they want you to arch and relax, they have a hand and arm signal for it. So they typically do this, which is cool. Cause we got the video up. I'm actually, people could actually see what I'm doing, but they do this. And the reason they do that is because in free fall, the guy can get out in front of you. And he could do this as a hand and arm signal, which he's doing. He's like doing this to extend your legs, doing this to bring your legs in, or doing this to relax. And when you do this, you actually, they want you to do this too. And I've noticed that whenever I do that, I just do this, I immediately, because I'm becoming more self-aware, because I've lost connection of mind and body, that it brings me back. And then I don't have a deliberate, conscious tactic for arching, for mm. relaxing my body. That's not what they're teaching. But when I do this, because it makes me more self-aware, my body isn't as tense and it just by default relaxes. So they're telling you something to deliberately do when I've realized, even when I consciously tell somebody to breathe, to think, to count cadence, to even shake their hand, like guys are teaching a top, tap your head or tap your chest, whatever the mantra is, that it's all bringing you back 
to self-awareness or consciousness because in that primal uh, sympathetic response, you're in an elevated neurological response. And so it just kind of brings you back to earth, to consciousness, to connection. What is, the, what is kind of like your understanding of that? Um, you know, you teach it. I mean, you literally teach it. But I've realized, like when I tell people to count cadence, yeah, they could be more reliable in their cadence, shoot more effectively, allowing the gun to cycle in its operation. But the reality is the benefit really is reducing their stress because they're self-aware. What, what is that whole thing that I'm becoming aware of now that you've studied for decades? So I, a, a lot of the, the psychology around that stuff, I have slightly different in, interpretations of things. And I really, I, I talk about the three eyes, instincts, intuition, and intelligence. And a lot of the things, like there were things I was doing to help people with fear in the 80s mm-hmm. that uh, I just trusted my intuition and I saw the results. And then in the last 10, 15 years, neuroscience and all the amazing technologies to kind of like MRIs, studying the brain and stuff, they've come up with their, oh, look, you can myelinate a neuron. You can, oh, look, look at this part of the brain. When you think this, this part like lights up. And that wasn't going on in the 80s. So, so brain-based training versus block-based training and, and flow, flow research training and stuff, uh, you'd probably really dig a lot of the work of Stephen Kotler. I don't know if you know the name. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's probably the, the most famous guy who's done work on flow. Uh, and he studied a lot of, he studied military guys and extreme athletes because the, the, the penalty of messing up <laughs> in an extreme sport or in combat is like, you don't get to play the next game. You're done. So, uh, it's, it's fascinating stuff. And the, to go back to specifically things like that, or it's like, if you got somebody who's hyperventilating and you, you remember the old school blowing a bag, well, what is that? Well, it's, so I use, I love this acronym for fear, false expectations appearing real. Hmm. And it's been around forever. But I, what I try to do is, it's interesting because, you know, I've, I've, I have therapists who train with me who use our, our my system to help vets with PTSD. It's hmm. a fascinating, uh, amazing thing. And they, they come back to me, one of the guys, this guy, Jeff Detesso, he's a psychologist, 20 years in, from Greenwich, Connecticut, calls me up one day, he says, your approach to managing fear is more effective than anything I have ever learned in 20 years of psychology. And I was like, I was like, okay, sir, can I put that on my website? Cause that's, the, and he said, he goes, fuck yes. I go, are you serious? Like, and, and cause what I did is I created a strip mat for the mind. I said, here's your scenario, whatever it is. It's a gunfight, it's health, it's finances, an issue with your family, and you go into the fear loop. Because what happens is, now back to the acronym, false expectations appearing real, right now you're dreading going to Florida and it's compounding your stress, but you haven't gone to Florida yet. Mm. You don't know what it's gonna be like. And so you've created a movie in your mind, and I tell people this, you're the director, you're the producer, you're the screenwriter, and you, you're starring in my shitty fucking life. And, and, and you're the stuntman and you're getting your ass kicked because you're going, now this will happen and this will suck and I hate that. And uh, so I make this joke is like, you, you know, when, uh, 
when um, uh, Rogan did that, uh, it was a few years ago, Be the Hero in Your Story mm-hmm. talk. Yeah, you heard yeah. that. It's like, like, it's such an obvious thing. What would, if you were MacGyver, what would you do here with your bubble gum and your, and your paperclip? You know, you'd kill the guy, right? You'd get out of the elevator. So I always make this joke is how do we, how do we change what we're visualizing? So all of these movements that create a shift from sympathetic to parasympathetic is they've taken me out of the negative movie in my mind. So my body goes back to its normal state, right? So, uh, you know, you can, you can change your posture just by going for good walks in nature every day, right? Because now you're not thinking about your bad posture or stuck on the train to work. You're, you're out, you're out walking and, and, and you're just doing things. Your body, your body wants to, unless you've got like, like a, like a, like a serious injury, uh, your, your body wants to move a certain way. Your mind wants to think a certain way. And, and I think some, I brought up the psychologist cause a lot of, a lot of people in the academic world make things very pedantic. Mm. So we feel obsequious when we hear them talk. I use those two words on purpose because nobody knows what the fuck I just said. I was like, what the fuck? Right. Hold on a sec. Subsequious pedantic. Um, and I use that, I use that on purpose because that's what they do. It's like, it's like they talk beyond what we can understand. And so my interpretation of this is when I give somebody a bag to blow into, it's now I'm getting them to, without saying this is box breathing, this is four, 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 or whatever the cadence would be or where the timing was. It's, I want you to watch this inflate. And now I've taken them away from, oh my God, I'm going to die to, and they panic even through that. So it's really simple things. It's understanding. And so that's how, when I, when I take somebody, whether I'm working one-on-one with them or I'm working with a team and I go, why do you, why do you hesitate in a fatal flannel there? Like if you, if you knew there was no bad guy or role player in this room, why would you stop at the door? Why would you hesitate? So what causes that hesitation is I'm going to get shot. And until you do enough reps to go, yeah, I'm going to get shot if I stop here. Like, in other words, like it's the false evidence appearing real in our mind that is immobilizing or debilitating us in the present moment. Mm-hmm. I need to do this. So I, it comes back to um, you get any type of fear spike, it'll create doubt. And as soon as you have doubt, everything stops. And, and, the way to cultivate self-awareness for me, what I found to be the most effective is getting people to understand that, that the fear is useful if you, if you look into it as opposed to avoid it. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things is a long-winded way to come back to what are those things? How does that work? There, any, any type of uh, um, procedure or process that gets you out of your head so that you can do what you wanted to do or what you had to do or what you need to do. If that makes sense. No, that hundred percent. It does. It's like the, what I tell, like even in my own circumstances of managing my own stress, not a gunfight, but you know, on the scene of a traumatic accident, I, I cognitively instruct myself through the events because the default for me is don't think, because that that there's a a, a more refined uh, primal solution in survival, but then when I think I'm like, okay, what's next? Okay, you just called nine one one. Now get your vehicle out of harm's way, right? I'm thinking through, even illustrating my own problems and solutions, 
even even as I say them in real time, which is there's a delay, obviously, but it's how I work from problem to problem, sourcing my own solution, but also staying out of my head. So I'm not. I mean, the alternative is what what, what you're doing is following this metaphoric map. Yeah. So in our cycle behavior, it says, "What's your scenario? You're motivated. I'm going for a drive. It's a fun. Oh shit, an accident. Oh my god, I'm in an accident. I just got hit. I got to get to the car." When you you follow the stages, you got to recognize that you're in the fear loop. A lot of times, I'm sure you've bumped into people or you're sitting around and you could tell that somebody's really stressed about something, and you're like, "Hey, man, you okay?" And 99% of the time, they'll go, "Yeah, why? What's up?" Like they have no clue. Mm. So, you know, the, the this this sounds a little goofy, but it's true. Like self awareness is the key to everything. Yeah. Self awareness is the only way you can think critically. Like, so look what's going on in the world. There's zero self-awareness. So there's like for half of the world. So there's no critical thinking. Mm. Um, We're like bots running on autopilot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's this, you know, the, I mean, I've had, I've worked with athletes who go, oh man, uh, I know two days before event, I can't sleep. I can't eat the anxiety. I mean, the fear is killing me. I go, tell me more. And they go, um, you know, I just feel like I'm going to die from this. And I go, well, how long have you had this? And this one girl I was coaching, she goes like, you know, for my whole competitive life, like 10 years now. I go, so, okay, I'm going to ask you an important question. I want you to tell me honestly, how many times have you died because of this fear that you have? She goes, what? I go, you said you feel like you're going to die and the fear is killing you. How many times have you actually died? Like literally. (laughs) She laughs. She goes, well, never. I said, well, then fuck fear. And, and I created an acronym for, have I ever told you my fuck fear acronym? Mm-hmm. Face it, understand it, control it, know it. Mm-hmm. So you get a fear spike and you know, you all of a sudden here's like, this is how interesting it is you could leave. Have you ever done this? I, I, I did this as a skit with the group this weekend. They fucking laughed their ass off. You know, I said, have you ever been at a hotel? And you're, you're leaving your room and you close the door and you're tired, new time zone. And as the door is closing, your brain goes, oh, fuck, I left my key, the keys to the room. And you do some sort of like acrobatic, oh, shit. And you try to reach to the door or you take two steps. And you're like, no. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The idea that you left a key that you could replace downstairs created this emotional reaction, a contortion in your body. Like, oh, my, I'm the door, reaching for the door like this. And you could have just like, if you thought it through cognitively, I think I left my key in the room. That's okay on the way down. Like just total smooth transition. Like you were clearing a malfunction yeah. in a pistol. You don't go, ah, stovepipe. Ah. Like right now it's just second nature. I make the same joke, like, you know, cause most, so many shooters are really good at clearing malfunctions, but you would never want a malfunction in a gunfight because you're good at clearing it. So the fear spike is like the malfunction. You get the fear spike, you got to clear it as fast as you can. You don't want it. Nobody goes, you know, these last three days have been great. I hope something crazy catastrophic happens today so I can get really good at resilience and right. Um, but this, this example is, it's funny because what it is, is I'm trying to portray here and hopefully I'm doing it justice is that we could be in a non-life threatening situation and all of a sudden we get a fear spike that a key that I can replace downstairs Where's my phone? Where's my phone? You know, my keys, my keys, my keys. You like, 
it's not a serial killer in your house. Calm down. But we still go, we flinch, our mind flinch. And I'm just using this as an example that if I can change my relationship with fear, I can change my mind. If I can change my mind, I can change my life. And when we, when we understand that, like everything changes and the acro- the acronym for fuck fear is really, this is, and this is one of the most important things I want to share with you and your group is it's not no fear and no, it's get to no fear. And there's lots of things in life you need to do afraid. I call that the duress path. The duress path is like, you don't want to be doing triage in an accident, but you, you commit to it. You're trained in it. You're trying to save lives. You're trying to be a good Samaritan, trying to do everything right. And you figured out a way, like if I follow my protocols, I'm going to get through this and I'll do everything I can. And if you, and if you don't like maybe the mind spirals out and you miss something and you're, you're fixing a broken toe when you should be putting on a tourniquet. Mm. Um, it's, it's a fascinating thing, but the, like in the, in the fuck fear acronym, face it, that that's that avoidance moment, the self-awareness. Okay. I noticed my physiology changed. I'm vertically breathing. My palms are sweating. I mean, those are the, those are those things, but it's also, you know, I've got, I've got three kids, two daughters. This morning, I couldn't reach any of my family, texting them. That's like two hours, like time zone, everyone's up. And I'm sitting there and I know nothing. I got five dogs at the house. Nobody broke in and killed them all. But guess what my brain did? Why, like, why would I think that? Yeah. Because I'm a dad. I'm like, why isn't my wife answering? Why isn't my daughter answering? Why isn't my other daughter answering? Mm. And I'm now having this movie going on in my mind. And it turns out they just forgot I was alive and didn't check, didn't yeah. check in with me. But I need to understand that even as someone who studies fear management, you get a fear spike, you got to notice that everything's fine. And if it's not fine, you'll deal with whatever you find out. But there's no reason to have this movie going on. So it's face it, understand it, meaning do whatever research you have to do. And then the most important thing is to control. And what that is a reminder is there's lots of things we do. And I've spoken to guys like, you know, um, you know, Mike Ritland. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, you know, I'm on Mike's uh, show and we're talking about fear. And he goes, he said, I can remember lots of times stacked outside a building. We knew every single person inside there was going to try and kill us. And we were going to have to kill them first. And he says, speaking for myself, I was fucking scared. But I wasn't scared that I wasn't going to do it. I was like, you could just feel the adrenaline, but you were trained and you knew what you were, you were going to do. Mm. It was managing fear. And I, I, I think that's subtle and important. Yeah. That's what kind of scares me about the status of our society today is more things that are introduced, to, whether it's technology, cell phones, applications, is displacing us from reality, period, which is obviously displacing us from our understanding of how to manage the catastrophe in, in, in reality, which, you know, if it's fear and most people who don't know how to even go through a protocol or a process or an acronym fall off the map. Mm sweaty palms, then leading it, compounding into the worst case scenario. That could have been a bad day, but now it's the worst day of their life. And it seems like the more people I train, the more people I'm exposed to, the more significant the purpose is for me, but the more significant I realize that we're in trouble. That, that, that people who grow up on an, a phone, who grew up on an iPad, learning from this virtual world, who aren't exposed 
to normal engagements and interactions. Mm -hmm. Like the guy who shook my hand, who told somebody he felt like I was aggressive because I shook his hand firmly and looked him in the eyes. And the guy said, why do, well, why do you think he was aggressive? He goes, well, I, I wasn't sure if he was trying to intentionally squeeze my hand, but he was squeezing my hand and he like brought it close towards him and then looked me in the eye. And he goes, yeah, it's called a firm handshake. And he goes, well, it just seemed like reckless and intimidating. Wow. And like he was bullying me. And I realized everybody who's potentially growing up with the absence of this understanding or without being inoculated in normalcy in our world, because uh, we grew up doing martial arts. Mm. We grew up in contact sports. We grew up uh, being exposed, exposed in social dilemmas. Like all these things that are normal for us, they're not normal for the new generation. Mm -hmm. And the detriment is um, what's happening now, increased suicide rates, uh, uh, increased deaths over overdoses of drugs. So people are defaulting because they feel like getting the text or the DM from the stranger criticizing them or reading the comment of saying you suck is real. Mm. Like I just watched Dave Chappelle's special, which is amazing, which is super funny because yeah. um, only Dave Chappelle can get away with that. Right. But he puts out what he puts out and he's like, I don't care. I don't fucking care because it's not real. It doesn't matter how much you try to put me in a box on Twitter. That's not real. And the reality is more people think that is real right. than don't, which is scaring the shit out of me for people. Mm. I mean, my tribe, my circle, my our following, we're, we're good. But how does everybody else fare when not exposed, not taught, not trained, um, and then they just fucking fail? I mean, I almost feel like the idea of even Philcraft teaching you to be prepared for the worst case scenario, because I look at the active shooter or the whatever it is, the reality is for most people, the worst case scenario is the depressive state they're going to be in because they're weighing their virtual life heavier than they're weighing their real life. Mm -hmm. Their their marriage is falling apart because they don't want to interact with their fucking spouse. Um, <laughs> their kids hate them because there is no interaction because everybody's on a fucking iPad. And that becomes the new worst case scenario that people need to prepare for, which is fucking bizarre, even to say out loud and hear myself say it. Right, I, and I agree with you a hundred percent. And the 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 people that are truly afraid, I mean, what, what the propaganda machine and the media and, and how they're doing it, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, this is decades in the making, you know, the, oh, you know, yeah. this whole, the Marxist, all that. Yeah. But the, um, again, this is what, like, I come back to, like, there's just zero critical thinking. And so you scare somebody, and then what you do is, I'll make the fear go away if you put a mask on and you get, and you get the jab. And, and then if you just don't, you know, hang out or listen to those people, they're crazy. And so what they're doing is masterful in how they're manipulating, you know, uh, half the world is, or is what, you know, the, the KGB would refer to as, I think they coined it the useful idiots. And, and it's such a derogatory statement and it's easy for like you or me to go, fuck, they're fucking idiots. What are they doing? Uh, but it's, it's scary, man. I don't know, you know, I, I, I made this joke a couple of times. I go, like, I really didn't think I was gonna be around for the end of the world. I thought that like, <laughs> that'd be way, way in the future, but we're at a, we're at a scary, scary moment in, in, in the, our civilization. Yeah, when I, when I hear politicians who's, who've been around and manipulated by culture 
and all of the inputs and they're old guys now buying into the propaganda, now regurgitating the things that we shouldn't stand for and, and changing their position on how mm -hmm. they were positioned or messaging decades ago. I, I, it's like, wow, man, the, 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 uh, the behavioral control of these powerhouses that are manipulating data and manipulating behavior, they know exactly what they're doing. I mean, if you have a staff of psychologists who are meant to divert attention and change the psychology for profit, that's a real thing. That's that's actually happening. That's been reported. That's that's yeah. a that's a comparable left and right news story, but we're just okay with this continuum. We're going, hey man, that's just how it is because you know, the free market, like what? Mm -hmm. Like th this is something very different in nature. This isn't the small business scaling into 10 businesses or 100 businesses. This is the controlling of a population at its detriment. And the only way, I guess, figuratively, as we were talking about uh, being conscious, is the people need to be conscious of the circumstance. Because right now they're running on autopilot controlled by the media. I know that's taking a turn. Um, but if you take it figuratively or maybe even literally, we are in a dire circumstance where preparedness, including your tactics and mine, is I can't think of another saving grace unless, you know, I could speculate how mm -hmm. how this ends. But the only the strength and empowerment that I see is when people figure it out, they go, oh, shit, let me put this thing down. Mm -hmm. Let me gain the benefit of education because I'm watching Tony on his Instagram, getting the information I need, and then put it down. Um, but I don't see that light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not good. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, you know, something I noticed doing our, our force on force scenarios for like, like, like 13 years, 1980, 1993, before I closed my school, was that people would come in and there'd be like a 120 pound woman, clearly, uh, you know, victim of violence, signed up for it. We were doing, you know, these like monthly kind of fight club things and doing a full on scenario. And there'd be the guy, cauliflower ears, you know, like tough. And if you were judging a book by a cover, you'd go mm, winner, loser, winner, loser. And it was never like that. You know, we, we, we would spend hours on asking the question, what would it cost you if you don't fight back? What could it cost you? Why are you here now? What's the cathartic reason? Why did you Why did you sign up for this? And we would talk for hours on, well, what would it cost you beyond like a busted nose or a chipped tooth or a headache? And get and get people. We'd make them write out essays, you know, like like so that when it came time to do the scenario, even though it was maybe a two minute physical skirmish, they had become um, in touch with what their life was about and it's very, very different Mike. And, and so I would see that little girl who walking by, I go, Mike, you know, let's you know, like bet on somebody. You go, well, not her. She's sitting there like freaking out and she'd be like the badger in the class. And then the big guy who maybe worked at a doorman as a club, he was the guy that collapsed in a scenario because his experience with violence was fighting drunk guys and starting like he was the sniper against the drunk big deal uh, um and and it was amazing what i what i took away from that was this line that i love sharing the people who manage their fear manage to fight 
operative word is to fight. It doesn't guarantee your victory. So you look at any type of resistance, any people who like did the right thing with, you know, we look at, we look at oftentimes when we, we, we look at the, the edited after action, Oh, that was the uppercut that stopped it. That was the final shot. But we're not looking at like the three months before when you're sitting there going, man, are we really going to do this? Right. Are we really going to fight? Are we really going to? And so like, that's a heavy thing to think about. The people who manage to fear manage to fight. Now that has created this opportunity for massive self-awareness where we go critical thinking and we go, this is the plan. And, and I remember one of your talks, you, know, you talked about the PACE acronym and most people don't have a plan. And then if they have a plan, they've memorized like step one, step two movements. They don't have an alternate plan or a contingency or an emergency. With our stuff, we always start with the emergency and then build. I, like I, like I always do when I'm, when I'm training people hand to hand stuff, I go, we're going to start with a death match and then we're going to reverse engineer all the way to, Hey man, I want trouble. Mm. So you're going from, you start with, the second order thinking and move backwards to the first order I love that, and then, yeah. and then analyze that. So it's neat. We got to, we, 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 what you're doing, it has to continue and it has to uh, somehow, if you could um, have another element of your company that doesn't uh, like that you could, what's what I'm looking for here that you have some sort of facade so it doesn't look like, hey, you know, we're, we're the guys in the woods with the, you know, rations in the underground, because that scares that. How do you sneak your messaging into the city? Yeah. Right. It's canning on Facebook. Right. It's canning right? on Facebook. You know, but they're so, already onto us. Right. So they're, it's <laughs> crazy, man. Right. So, you know, and, uh, and I just look at, I look at every, you know, because I'll, I'll talk to business people, martial artists, combat athletes that, and, and they'll say things to me like, hey, do you have a program for this? Because I know you do that thing for, for civilians. And I go, yeah, yeah, I got one specific for you. And then I give them the same fucking thing because I go, dude, stimulus gets introduced too quickly. You get a fear spike. And now you're in your head. And if you can manage the fear spike, you can create pace mm. and you start to move. And all it is about how do I got to move my mind because the mind navigates the body. If I move my mind, I move my body. And, and fear, or I mean, fear is common to all, and disaster is an equal opportunist. It doesn't care. And so, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, my, my, my line. Yeah. Violence doesn't care what martial art you study. Yeah. Violence doesn't care. Liberal, Republican, violence doesn't give a shit if you're a pacifist. It doesn't care. Yeah. Well, you're the one who's planted the seed, man. I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, it's so bizarre to even say, because you would think it would be a thing. It's just, it's not. Nobody's paying attention to these kind of things. Nobody's making sense of it in a practical and applicable world. And it's so significant. And I think more now than ever, people seem to be finally in large scale paying attention, which is, uh, I hate to say it, it's a success with the disaster because it's these times that have led us to this point for people to open up or be woken or awake to what's happening. But uh, for me, um, it's an opportunity to introduce them to what you're teaching and what you're doing. And then um, also in, in parallel, facilitating that effort, that, that growth and, and that scale. Because, you know, like people are like, 
why did you have Tony Blauer on? Isn't he a competitor? I'm like, what? <laughs> he's an ally. Right. And he's an elder as well. So it's not, it, it's always, there's always more opportunities for people to have choices, to learn, diversify. And, and uh, that's, why you're, that's why you're here this weekend teaching at Philcraft HQ and why we'll continue to do these kind of trainings together. Um, Tony, how do people get in contact with you or see the myriad of things that you're offering? Um, it used to be able to find me on Instagram. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm so shadow banned oh, now. Oh, I know. It's because I, I, my, my engagement's down like 90%. And it's weird because it's that thing you're making fun of yeah. where I'm on there and I'm pissed off because yeah. I'm trying to communicate to people because I'm a real threat to the world. Yeah. You know, my message is definitely a threat. It's crazy. Um, so uh, uh, if you go to uh, blowertraining.com, that's my main headquarter. And we've got the different, you know, uh, coaching, the hand to hand, the our high gear suit and all that stuff. Um, uh, which I love seeing, you know, you guys using in the scenarios and Kevin using them yep. and stuff like that. But, yep. um, uh, you know, I am on Instagram. If you can find me, you'll probably have to type out Tony Blower verbatim until it pops out. Yeah. Every single letter. Uh, and, uh, there's, there's links in my bio there for some of the, some of the stuff we've got like a free ebook on fear called making friends at fear. You know, it's nine pages long. I joke that it took me 43 years to write those nine pages, but, but it's there. Listen, you know, I just, I just got, um, some new tattoo work done in a buddy of mine who's got a, a tattoo place, ghost tattoo in Vegas. And Aaron called me a month ago and he goes, his 10 year old son, Salem, uh, anxiety, stress, dealing with the bullshit. Just he's 10. And he calls me as a dad. He goes, um, is your no fear program? Cause I got a digital version of our no fear program. Uh, he goes, is it like too much for him? Is it like, you know, could I, I said, well, you're his dad, you do the program and then share what you think he's ready for. Certainly everyone listening to this and everyone should know we cannot allow 99% of our teachers to raise our kids. Right. I mean, we see where that's going. Um, and, uh, I don't have it prepared. I don't know if we have time for me to pull up this. This I, I went to, to do this, and Aaron, I sit down for the tattoo, hands me a handwritten letter from a 10-year-old kid. Mm. And I got to, we'll, we'll have to, you, you got to hear this. I just, I just thought of it now, but um, it's so amazing. But it's, it's this kid uh, who, um, all, so like right now, my physiology is changing, right? Are you sweaty palms right now? I'm, I'm not yet. I'm, I'm freaking out. Box uh, breathe, man. Get a paper bag in here. Um, the uh, oh man, I'm not gonna be able to find it. it. It's it's this it's this letter where he goes, dear Mr. Blower, and he's he's quoting out of the No Fear program. Dear Mr. Blower, I just wanted to thank you. This is a great opportunity for me and my dad to spend time together. The most important thing I learned is you can't be brave if you're not afraid. And like, he's like, like this is a 10 year old learning this. Wow. And, and I, I texted, I texted Aaron. Um, and, and your audience will know where I'm going with this in a moment. Uh, but the, I, I texted him and you can see this right here. Just so that this is, I'm not making this up. You know, this is, uh, 
you know, last week, hey, uh, how's it going? You know, Salem is doing good, blah, blah, blah. This is Thursday, just random. Man, Salem is awesome. Every day he's managing his fears better. This is like within a month, right? And days later, this this 10-year-old, what he's doing is he's, okay, sports, put your masks on. Okay, I'm good. I know what to think. I know what he's catching. We're, we're cultivating the development of self-awareness in a 10-year-old. And then one day he's going to be 42 and one day he's going to be 61. You follow where I'm going with yeah, this? Yeah. The, the, we need parents to go, holy shit. The program, like I, I, I said an hour ago or whenever, whenever I mentioned it, I grew up afraid of everything. I didn't ask Lucy. Sorry, honey, my wife won't watch this podcast. But, but you know, Lucy was the girl you had to go to the prom with. I didn't ask her. I was too scared. So she went with someone else. I didn't. I didn't punch that guy, Steve, in the face who needed to get punched. He was the bully bullying that guy because even though I was training, I was like, I was visualizing, man, I'm going to get suspended. He's going to kick my ass. He's got friends. Like, and we talk ourselves down. The, the, um, if we had a whiteboard or a pencil here, I, I'd do this live and show it. But in, in, in my class, I ask people, what do you, really quickly, what is the opposite of courage, Mike? What, what, what would most people say is the opposite of courage? Cowardice. Right? Yeah. So, so there's more cowards today than there were in Allah. He used to say there's very few real cowards. But if I wrote down the word courage and I said the opposite of courage was this, and I wrote down the letters D, I, S, and a hyphen. The opposite of courage is discourage. We all see what we should do. You see something in the news and everyone's going, look how courageous that was. And you think for a moment, I wonder if I had done that. That's a fear-inspired question to yourself. Make sense? Yeah. Like if you, if, if I had a fireman at a course I did in Florida recently, and I asked this girl, I said, would you run into a building, a burning building to save a family, to save somebody you didn't know? And she's like, um, I'd like to think I would. And then I turned, she didn't know this guy was a firefighter. I went, sir, would you run into a burning building? He goes, yeah. I go, you're pretty cocky, aren't you? And they everyone looked at me. I went, he's a fucking firefighter. He, he actually wants this hotel to catch on fire for this seminar, right? And everyone laughed. But I was trying to say, that, like, when you, when you train for something, face, understand, control, it's about managing. Andy Stump, he manages his fear when he, when he jumps. He doesn't like fear, right? So, so the big message here is this, and I, I brought this up, and I, I, I realized I had to get it in because you were talking about phones and raising kids, and it made me think of this kid, Salem, that imagine him growing up now with a dad who's mentoring him on fear management, whether he decides to become a cop, military, baseball, politician, he's in there with this foundation of, yeah, this isn't right. And I'm going to critically think, and I'm going to manage my fear and do the right thing. Yeah. That's, that's what every person listening to this is going. If I would have had that in my headspace as a child, how could life have turned out? Right. And, 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 and so that's this, this, you know, we, 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 we skipped over quickly, but it's a profound moment when I write out on a whiteboard in the course, the opposite of courage, a bunch of people say cowardice. I go contemplate this, meditate on this. The opposite of courage is discourage. We discourage ourselves. We have a movie in our mind. We go, someone should do something about that. And then we go, yeah, but the government will do this and then they'll take away this and then I'll lose my job and then I'll do that. And then I'll, and you, you build up like this, like trilogy of friggin' movies where you're the victim 
And then what it is, is, you know, it'll be way less stress if I just comply. Mm. Heavy. It is heavy, man. Um, especially as we think about family preparedness and training kids, it's something that's super important. Um, Tony Blower, thanks for being on the podcast, man. Dude, so Thank good you. to see you again, buddy. My hands are sweaty. and uh, Nice. Yeah, it's all that stress, man. It is. Thanks, Tony. Thank you, buddy. Peace.